Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, today's special International Women's Day episode of Hey Soul Sister podcast is brought to you by Lake Mac Council's Lake Mac Women's Sport Festival. I love that they're supporting women in sport. You can find out more, just head on over to lakemac.com.au forward slash women's sport festival. It's coming up to International Women's Day on the 8th of March, a day for us to join forces with people around the world and shout our message for equal rights loud and clear. Women's rights are human rights. In case you didn't know, the International Women's Day movement began back in 1908 against a backdrop of terrible work conditions and exploitation. 15,000 women took to the streets in New York, protesting for shorter hours, better pay and voting rights. The next year, the Socialist Party of America announced a National Women's Day to honour the strikers. And then in 1910, it went global. Today, it's a global day to celebrate the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women in all of their diversities. It's also a day to raise awareness about the inequalities girls and women face around the world. And today on Hey Soul Sister, we're going to talk just about that and the theme for this year's International Women's Day, Break the Bias. I'm so excited to have four accomplished women here with me today, women who are leading the way for others in our community. On Zoom, we have Kay Fraser, the Mayor of Lake Macquarie. And in this studio, we have New Italian Elms, Lord Mayor of Newcastle, the fabulous Lisa Mason, who's the first female president of Rugby Union Club, the Hamilton Hawks, and Charlotta Tharap founder of the Mindfulness Clinic, international speaker and author, and my favourite mindfulness guru. Hello. Yeah, How are you going, hello. ladies? Very well. Thanks for having us. Yay. Looking forward to celebrating International Women's Day and having some rigorous conversation today about the state of the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, Miss Lotta, 12 months ago, you were here and we recorded an International Women's Day episode last year. And I asked this question and I want to ask it again. And Lisa, please feel free to jump in as well. Okay. How do you see the experience of being a woman right now? Yeah, it's such a good question. But I think it's so contextual. It really depends where you're at, you know, where you're at financially, what's your age, what's your job, you know, very different if you're in politics to if you're running your own business to if you're a CEO or wanting to be. So I think it varies enormously. For me, some of the factors that affect how I experience being a woman is definitely that I just turned 60. Because, you know, the conventional thing for a woman is then you're kind of done. (laughs) I have really sort of really looked at what does that mean? What does it mean? Because when I researched it, it it was clear that actually aging sits in relation to youth. So a a loss of something rather than something in itself. Uh, And particularly for women, right? I'm actually a little bit on the warpath with that. I'm quite excited about that because I think that, you know, International Women's Day perhaps have not really, we've looked at professional women, we've looked at education, we've looked at politics, and there's still a long way to go. But we haven't really looked at aging women and the whole idea of postmenopausal. what does that offer because it's been framed by men as in a deficit as something that's problematic as you're kind of done where i've got news <laughs> it's fabulous <laughs> look out charlotte's on the way yes. i love it so that's my little take on it on, on another note i have spoken to just a couple of women the last couple of weeks who are one is 65 and has two hundred thousand in her super after working as a ceo forever 
35 years and a young girl, young woman, 35, who has 120000 after selling a big property because she actually didn't really look at the you know, the the fine print, etc. And it worries me about the financial position of many women and the actual financial education where that is at, both yeah. for women and men, but we know women are worse off. Yeah. And I think at the moment, and, and maybe it's just because, um, you know, I, I work at Got You Back Sister and I see women all the time who are financially distressed because they've experienced domestic violence. But more and more we're hearing about homeless women in, in their later years, you know, when they're 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond because they just financially can't afford rent or for whatever reason, whatever's happened to them in their life, they're, they're just not in that. They're not working anymore. They didn't have enough super. So it is a real issue. It's an issue that I guess we're all looking to the government to lead and address. I suppose I don't really see that happening. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. At the moment... I'm going to say I feel really angry and disappointed when I think about the plight of women in Australia today. And that is because of, I guess, you know, working at Got You Back Sister and and seeing and hearing all these stories of women who've experienced Mm -hmm. abuse and trying to rebuild their lives, um, trying to get ahead financially and, and struggling, but also to move beyond the trauma that they've experienced, all that physical and emotional impact of domestic violence and I'm like I look at Australia we talk about respect and culture um, workplace culture women raising their voices and I look at Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins and I'm in awe of them such young women raising their voices and, and and trying to bring the whole issue of you know sexism sexual abuse cult, workplace culture school culture <laughs> all of that to the fore and I feel really frustrated because I feel as though the the leaders at the top of our country are still not doing they're not getting it and they're not doing enough about it I feel like they're kind of floundering around going let's throw a band-aid here and a band-aid there but actually I feel as though they still don't get it yeah but i think the nation is being educated yeah and i don't think there's any way back so we do have an election coming up and perhaps you know this kind of these voices of these courageous women and the backing they have you know because i think i haven't met anyone who didn't think wow go girls this is amazing and with such clarity and precision and without blame but with absolute bravery i think the population is going to be educated and i think we're going to see a change at the election i so hope so yeah i was reading online news this morning and somebody in the media has put out a photo of grace tame apparently smoking a joint or doing something like Mm. that and and she's just owned and gone yeah whatever but really you're looking for ways to denigrate me now you know with everything that she's been through and with all the talk about whether she did or didn't you know disrespect the prime minister and all of that and i'm like you know what she's amazing she's a brave young girl that went through one of the most horrific experiences a young girl can go through Mm. and i'm like where they're trying to bring it down again. Mm. I know I find that really frustrating. When I saw them speak at the press club, I felt nothing but pride. Me too. And teary. Yeah. Yes. But somebody pointed out, and actually it was a very elderly ma- man, that the head of the Royal Commission into Banking, when he handed his report to the Treasurer, he had exactly the same expression on his face. Yet there was no commentary. So it's not the first time. It's just that we tend to be much, much harsher with women. And there's a political agenda, of course. We have the Murdoch press and all that that's rolling out. But I think she caught it beautifully, that whole, that whole thing of saying, yes, it's part of the trauma. 
that that's what you know when you've been abused in that way you go to all different things to try to cope don't blame me for it it's part of it right and i think it's interesting that we look at even trying to condemn somebody for that yet we think that lying is more and more okay right mm -hmm. we've seen that in the public eye and we go oh, that's all right what, what what standard have we got? Why are we, you know? And I, I think as women, we need to really make sure that, that we protect other women from that harsh criticism that tends to be out there. Mm. Much, much harsher in general for yeah. women, be that in politics and whatever, avenue, you know, area they're in. Unfortunately, though, sometimes it's the women that are actually bringing some of the other women down. Well, that's not good enough. I know. That's it's all not. I say about that. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> no. not. It's no. actually not. No. So Lord Mayor Neward Tarly Nelms, what are your thoughts around that? I think it's a really apt discussion to have at the moment. And uh, for me personally, if I flash back uh, 12 months and I think I uh, watched uh, the, the, the giving of the Australian of the Year to Grace Tame, maybe live, I don't know how I managed to do that in the middle of a day on a Tuesday, I think it was. <laughs> and then I actually played it back later and watched it again because I thought, oh, this is powerful and this is amazing. And whoever selected this wonderful woman, thank you. And because we'd had Rosie Batty a few years before who'd really done, you know, had been through a lot but done an amazing job at uh, raising the, uh, the profile of uh, uh, yeah. family violence. She was great. Yeah, phenomenal. So I was, you know, really felt empowered by – uh, and touched, obviously. You feel a lot of emotions when you look at that original speech from 12 months ago. And I think she's just done a fantastic job, really, in the last 12 months in terms of uh, raising the issues of uh, uh, child sexual abuse and the issues of silence around it. And in terms of what Charlotta said, it depends where you are. And then what I've seen in the last couple of months is actually women leaders stepping up and talking about how wonderful it is to see the next generation not being silent yeah. because they were part of a generation that culturally were forced to be silent. And I sit almost in the middle of two generations. And I've always known that growing up a little a bit in um, one camp and a little bit X and a little bit Y. So you can kind of, I see it from both sides because I'm in the middle. So I'm not very silent, <laughs> but also know and socialise with a generation that has been forced to be silent. And I just think it's fantastic. I see it as a beacon of hope. And yes, the male leadership that have not had any clue, because they are from a different generation, of how to deal with uh, young women speaking out about really important issues and shining a light on them, have not handled it well at all. And that's on them. I see yep. all of it on them. And it will be part of their downfall, I hope. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I think the general public and the Australian public don't want whether it's um, the Royal Commission that was actually into child sexual abuse or through the church network or whether it's happening behind closed doors. If you remember, this same issue happened to women when they were once seen as a man's property. Mm. And this is about children and protecting children. And if we can't talk about uh, openly and honestly about what has gone on, whether they're at schools or in homes or with people that are known to the to these victims, how are we ever going to change as a culture? So I see it as a beacon of hope, and uh, she has a huge amount of support and and always will, and the strength 
And obviously the, the situation that happened to poor Brittany at Parliament House also dealt with horribly. And I think the federal parliament has, you know, looked into it and looked out. But you're looking at a, a funny culture down there. It's like a different world. I know people that work down there. And when you step down there, you step into some sort of alternate universe. <laughs> really, you, like it's, it's actually a thing. It's like a clothes shop. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that has sort of exposed some of those inherent, very masculine behaviours that are inherent in a Westminster political system. Because these are, again, some of those biases that are structural, whether it's the way you work down there, the, the hours are expected, they are not family friendly. It is a very masculine environment. Particularly with the current leadership, right? Because I think under Malcolm Turnbull, it was different. Yes. Under Julia, it was different. <laughs> yes. Right. But I think to change the culture that's existed there for a long time, you have to have a more progressive leadership for a longer period of time. Yes. Because even that. just the way our parliaments are structured, mm. the way the hours of work, the way you are away from your families for a long period of time and the way that those officers work if they're at the height of their careers they're working 24 7 and so are their staff so you don't see anybody else Mm. so it is this uh, insular Mm. type of arrangement Mm. Mm. that has come out of the type of work hours that are down there and i don't know if that will change because you have there might be some constitutional changes that you need but looking at governance structures, a revolution, perhaps. I, like <laughs> I would, I would be on board with that. I would say it's it's tough to to watch and tough to hear, but the fact that it is part of our national conversation is amazing and phenomenal. And if we didn't have Grace Tame as our Australian of the Year last year, we wouldn't have had this brought to a, a national conversational level and I think it is so 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 important. I love that Lake Mac Council is supporting women in sport to coincide with International Women's Day with the Lake Mac Women's Sport Festival from Friday March 11th to Sunday March 13th. You can come and be part of their networking brekkie. I know I'm going to that and I look forward to seeing you there. And you'll also get to meet local legends Sam Pullman and Kerry Potast. There's also a two-day symposium with wonderful guest speakers from the sporting world. And you can come and inspire your daughters with the open day featuring autograph signings, live music and free clinics with sports stars. Let's support women in sport with Hey Soul Sister. Just Google Women's Sport Festival now or check out Lake Mac com.au forward slash women's sport festival so as i mentioned earlier the theme of this year's international women's day is break the bias so biases like biases in our communities biases in our workplace in business bias in schools the home and bias in sport i feel like there's so many different (laughs) areas and we're not going to cover them all today but one thing i would really really love to talk about because I haven't really done it before, is the whole how do we deal with bias in sport? So I'd like to welcome in Lisa, you fabulous woman, president of the Hamilton Hawks, first female president. Have there been other female presidents of other rugby clubs? Not of a premier rugby club. Mayfield East had a female president a couple of years ago, Semicolo, that they're a divisional rugby team with just like one yep. team. So. First female president for a premier club, so... 
bit of an honour. Yeah. And I know the Hamilton Hawks. So I know that when there was talk that you were going for president, I know there was a lot of women that were really hoping and, you know, going, come on, girl, come on, girl, yeah. you can do it. And we're really happy when you became the president of the club. Yeah, I certainly had a, a lot of strong women that I look up to in my corner. Yeah. One of those main women, as you know, is Jan Bynan. She's, <laughs> she's a fabulous woman and yeah. I have so much respect for her. And I love the fact that she's been in my corner from the get-go. So I feel very fortunate to have her backing. And of course, yourself and the charity, like, It's just been a fabulous partnership and one that I want to push more and build more. And, you know, it's at the forefront of everything we do. So I love that. I love that. So, Lisa, tell us, how did you rise to president? Or what was it? Why why did you want to go for it? I've been involved with the Hamilton Rugby Club since 1999, always in a committee role and been running the juniors for a long time and then my children weren't playing juniors anymore and I absolutely love the club. I love the values that the club have from those presidents before me and I wanted to continue those values and lead the women that are coming through in our sport and show them that anything is possible. You don't have to be a male to be at the top. Because more and more women are entering Mm. male-dominated sports you know traditional male sports yeah you know and I didn't realize until I you know got to know the Hamilton Hawks that there is this real surge of young girls and women entering you know or getting onto the rugby field like it's it's amazing not just rugby either it's it's soccer it's AFL women's rugby sevens women's fifteens um, rugby it's the fastest growing sport in in the world is rugby sevens yeah, it's really interesting as well. So my girlfriend who, you know, Nadine Burrito, so mm-hmm. she has two daughters that play rugby. And it's really interesting. She says about how much it is, like how good it is for their self-esteem. It makes them feel so good about themselves. Yeah, rugby is like, a sport that it doesn't matter your size, your shape, your gender, your nationality. It doesn't matter. There is a position for every single person on a rugby field. Yeah. And that's what she was saying. She's like, it is actually a really wonderful sport for girls. Mm. And I know her girls have been in recruiting more and more girls at school to get on board. Yeah, they certainly have. Merriweather are looking great with their numbers for the girls sevens and hopefully building into the girls 15 a side competition too. So the Barreto girls are doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know what? And it's, you know, Sydney elsewhere as well. You know, when I yep. went to the, the local um, Mick Wells Curry Cup day recently, all, lots of girls from Sydney coming up and yep. playing. Yeah, definitely. We had teams from Dubbo, from Central North, from Southern Districts in Sydney, Manly. The competition gets stronger every year and the standard of the competition is better every single year as well. And I actually enjoy watching the women more than watching the men. Mm. I just think their technique is better. They listen more. (laughs) And I've actually had some of our premier grade players say, wow, like the girls just do everything so textbook. Yeah, that's because they listen. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I know that we have talked about before is people still perceive the male teams. And this is not just in rugby. This is like across sports are quite often it's like the male teams that get these the coverage on tv journalists are writing about the men's sports and men's results men are getting more pay 
across codes. I know apparently tennis is now is, is much better than it used to be. Apparently tennis is good. I know golf are trying to get there. But, you know, I suppose we have talked before going, okay, well, it's interesting that the blokes play and then when the girls come on after the first grade boys, the bar closes mm. and people go home. Yep. And, you know, you go, well, it, there's no enticement or encouragement for the public to actually stay and watch the girls, like the girls' yes. families do. But it's really interesting that it's like, boys, first grade's done, that's it, Clo- you know, bar closed, yep. well, you know, oh, here are the girls running out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's certainly something I'm trying to change at Hamilton. Well, in the NHRU, I'd love to see the women play before first grade and then first grade is the the pinnacle like they think they should be. But everybody's there to watch the women then and like you say, the bar's not closed and people aren't trying to pack up and go home. So I think it's really important that we try and change the mould and get those women playing earlier. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. As a woman, first female president of the Hamilton Hawks and you know, a, a, a role model for women in the community in terms of sport because you're involved in other sports as well, basketball, netball. Yep. You're out there doing yep. your thing, girl. <laughs> what was it like being female president in, in our city, in our region, and actually having to go to that very first president's meeting with when all the other presidents of the club, yep. clubs are blokes? Uh, yeah, it was really daunting at first, but I'm, I'm a confident person, so yep. I knew I would go in there and you know, put my big girl pants on and go, you're not going to tell me what to do. Like, yeah. I'm going to stand up to you. And just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I don't know rugby and I don't know how how this game works. Yeah, I've been involved in rugby in Newcastle for over 22 years now. So yeah, I know how it works. Yeah. So I think they were a little bit shocked when I did from the get-go. No, that's not right. No, that no, I don't agree with that. So I think there's a little bit more respect there now particularly at our last meeting we had last week. It yeah. was a different vibe. It oh, was really? a different vibe. Yeah. Is that something that's kind of had to evolve along the way? It has like- evolved along the way and it's just speaking my mind and saying, no, that's not right. No, that's not my recollection of what happened and no. Yeah. Yeah, just being confident and knowing what I'm saying is the right thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How important is culture in a sporting organisation? Oh, vital. Yeah. Vital. With the Hawks, uh, family and community values are at the top of the list. Inclusivity, diversity, they're just the most important aspects of, of our rugby club and they're all things that I continually strive to meet with in every decision that I make. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that when you hold somebody accountable for behaviour, yeah. then they'll sort of... Have you, back and have you come up against that? Funny issues. <laughs> I have. We had an incident just recently and I was very unimpressed by some of the behaviour of some of the men at our tournament and certainly straight away got on the email and sent an email and said, this is not good enough. We, you know, there was women, there was girls. It's just... Mm. You know, it was chauvinistic behaviour. Yeah. What did they do? It's interesting. What happened was what we would see as a traditional larrikin blokey thing to do, but it's like it was offensive to women there and they all complained to Lisa to do something about it. There was a team, one of the guys was holding the winner's check. Somebody put his pants down. 
Then they pushed him over, so you can imagine pants down around the ankles. The view that people got is oh. 15, 16-year-old girls, 16, 17-year-old oh. girls, women around. And he had no pants on at all? Around his ankles. No yeah. underwear underneath? No. Oh, around God, okay. So, yes, men look better. Like, <laughs> I agree they do. Like in the middle of the day? Oh, it was more towards, like was during presentations. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Imagine if someone cool. did that to me at work. That's right. Oh, my God. Yeah. like it's kind I of just, like assault. Well, it was yeah. – I was offended. Like, yeah, but it's assault on the person getting their pants, pants pulled, pulled down. down. Yeah. But it's that behaviour that they think that, oh, ha, ha, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, it's okay. There's a time a and a place, and that certainly wasn't the time and nor was it the place. So Because yeah. the presenter was a female as well, wasn't she? Is that, is yeah. that right? One of the speakers? The, of present- yeah. Yeah. The family of Mick Curry was there and oh they were gosh. presenting the check. And but what about the poor person? Was I'm assuming it was a man that got his pants pulled down. <laughs> I'm assuming he didn't want that to happen to him either. Well, no, I don't think he would have, oh. but it was, yeah. The, but there's no but, nothing he can do about it. No, Because that's unless right. he laughs about it, he just has to put up with being assaulted. Yeah. Yeah. But the club was very, very good and got onto it straight away they were prompt they were professional and everything was sorted really quickly mm. and but I think as well that you know that a couple of complaints came to you mm. as a president and you you know had to stand up to and do something about it and actually go you know what this isn't okay yeah do you know what there are young families here we've had complaints and and actually once upon a time it probably would have been laughed off but actually yeah. that's not it's okay not cool it's definitely not cool and even if I hadn't have got that complaint I still would have acted upon it because hmm. I felt disrespected as the tournament organizer that that behavior happened as well on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that it's addressed. Oh, absolutely. it's a learning yeah. experience yeah, for definitely. everyone. Yes. And hopefully people will learn a lesson and yep. then it won't happen again. It won't and that, happen that's again. the only way you change culture. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And it certainly brings everything to the forefront of how important that culture is and that everybody's on the same page around your culture and what your expectations are. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So important. Absolutely. So one of the other things that I suppose we hear more talk about, and I know different organisations and codes are trying to address that, and that is equal pay mm. for women. My understanding is that tennis is one spot where they're, they're, they reckon there's pay parity between men and women. Lisa, I know that's one of the things that you've been trying to address is actually equal pay locally for women in rugby. Yeah, and thanks to Nadine from 8 Recruitment. She's been a fabulous supporter of our tournament and coming on board to so that we can offer our female mm. participants equal prize money to the men. And we're the first tournament, and I still think we're the only tournament, in New South Wales to actually offer that. Mm. It's funny, it's a little bit similar to Surfest, you know, like Surfest, all the dollars come in for all the men's competition and they couldn't run the women's competition for a few years because they couldn't get sponsors. So then they had to start the whole crowdfunding and get 80 businesses to chuck in $1,500 each. So they had prize money for the girls. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was the first place in Newcastle that they did that for a surfing competition. And it's paid dividends in terms of engaging the business community. Everyone in the community also supports the event. But it also has increased participation, not just at a junior level or taking up the sport, but it's it's an international sport. All the women now want to come to Newcastle to compete because they know that they're valued here. Yeah. Yeah, it's made a huge difference. That is great, isn't it? Yep. Yay. Hopefully one day they'll get those big sponsors, just like the men, and get the TV coverage and everything. Yeah, I think the tide has been turning. I know from our perspective, 
promoting uh, women in all fields but particularly when it comes to sponsorship and people ask you for sponsorships for all sorts of things all the time because you're the you know local council and I've asked you for sponsorship yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's obviously a limited yeah. amount, but we've looked at where there's gaps, and there a couple of like obviously seven years ago um, after I was elected, and being from a sporting background, one of the gaps for me was women in sport, mm. and not just at a professional level, and that was looking at. You know, there is a gap in terms of sponsorship for the Jets women. The men had all the sponsorship, but the club really wanted them to be on equal footing. Uh, but it takes sort of us diving in there for a few years and sponsoring the women, making sure their billing times, their treatment is the same in terms of the gravitas and the time and exposure for all those players. And that we've seen a huge change. And by doing that, the Matildas became interested in coming to Newcastle. Mm. It's actually a snowball effect. So you just we've taken you know that that leadership in, in terms of trying to get the women's rugby here yep. as well, and really having a focus on professional women's sports, which then filters down to the local level in terms of participation. And I know Hamilton Hawks because I know girls that play rugby. They were the go-to club because of the culture you developed to go and play rugby. Yep. That, that's where the girls that played rugby, no matter if they were local to Hamilton or the <laughs> area or not, that's where the coaches were, that's where the culture was. And you can I've seen that conversation in the last seven years change completely in terms of women in sport at a high level and as well as a grassroots level. And that support that you have in the community, particularly here in Newcastle, is huge because you can see it in the participation numbers at the elite levels of everyone turns out and, you know, uh, wants to support the the high level, uh, whether it's the Matildas playing here, the rugby playing here or training here. It's quite phenomenal. It is. It is. And it's, it's such a great initiative from the council to be able to start that ball rolling and bring it to the forefront of everybody. And increasing sponsorship is the way forward. Absolutely, because the men have all those big corporate sponsors already locked in. So is there sort of gap in the market? And Mm. that's where I think the role for government is where there's a gap and people need support. It's not a forever situation because hopefully then obviously people now see the commercial benefit of supporting women in sport and you can see how much the sponsorship rights are traded for the diamonds now netball as well as the matildas changing over in just in the last 12 months and how much value the corporate sponsors see in those brands now for those for for elite women athletes yeah want to fill your soul with more go to the sisterco.com hey fraser lord mayor of lake macquarie's here on the zoom how do you see the experience of being a woman right now? Well, I have to say it's not much different to being a woman 10 years ago. Yeah. Or more. It's really disappointing. I was thinking about this question this morning and I thought, I think back to Julia Gillard when she was a Prime Minister and what she experienced and how denigrated she was as a female and no one spoke up for her. I think about the young girl, Greta Thunberg, a young woman activist, environmentalist, and what happened to her when she put her head up and spoke out for something she was passionate about. And then most recently, Ash Barty, our famous tennis player. We had a male talking about her having a beer, having a drink of a bottle of beer. That was ridiculous, wasn't it? (laughs) It's just appalling. Nothing has changed. And I'm really disappointed. I'm feeling like we're going backwards as women 
And we need a sisterhood. We need to be united. We need to be together. And people, not only women, but men have to stand up and call it out when a male has a go at a female who is a fantastic role model. And that's not happening at the moment. Do you know what? Absolutely. And as we were talking about before here, it, you know what? That needs to come from the top down, from the leadership. It does. It needs to be our leaders. You know, I can call it out every day of the week but it needs to come from our leaders and it needs to come from people below the leadership to say, this is not okay. Absolutely. We can't have men denigrating women and they can say, oh, we don't think this is right or this is not fair. No, it's not right. And we can't have them criticising women and name-calling women. Not today. You know, I'm a mother of two boys, not of daughters, but if I had daughters, I'd be incessed to think, what are they going to grow? What lifestyle are they growing up in? What's happening today to encourage women to be strong, stand up for, for what they believe in? There's no role models out there because if they stick their head up and talk about something they're passionate about, they're going to be stomped on by some old man and it's going to come in and say, this isn't right. We don't want to hear from this young woman. And we said in the Herald, every day of the week when Greta Thunberg was out there talking about environmental issues, when you look at the Newcastle Herald, look at the Sydney papers, it was all men and some women talking about her, demonising her. It's not good enough. Nothing has changed. And we need to all stand up and be united and say enough is enough. So, like, hey, have you experienced gender bias or inequality during your career? Yeah, absolutely. I think as women, we all endure bias. It is a man's world as much as no one wants to hear that and obviously as the mayor of a city of 209,000 people and having three female councillors and 10 male councillors yes it was tough yes did I get bullied did they try and intimidate me yes they did and that's the nature of the beast and they can say well that's the rough and tumble of local government well it can be but it shouldn't be so we need to have respect whether you're a male or female there needs to be that respect and I think until we get full equality in all levels of government in every workplace we will endure that all the time so when there's a lot of men or a lot of women together that's what happens so yes I have endured it but I didn't succumb to it and I stood up and held up held my head up high and uh, didn't get down to the gutter. And you're doing an amazing job, as is New Italia, and I absolutely love when I'm out there talking about Got Your Back Sister in various forums and I talk about where I come from. I love that I that we have a, you know, Mayor of Lake Macquarie and Lord Mayor of Newcastle, the city of Newcastle, that are both females that are leading our region. It's just awesome. Thank you. So Lake Mac is running their first ever women's sport festival to coincide with International Women's Day. Kay, what's the aim? of the festival and some of the activities going on? Well, this is really important. It's our first event and it's all about women in sport. And we want to encourage female sport participation. We want to provide support and pathways for up-and-coming athletes. But we also want to grow and nurture women into sport because if you think about little girls and little boys, and I've been talking to a lot of people about this, if you're a little girl and you're four or five, you normally got a little dress on and you normally got sandals on. If you're a little boy, four or five, you might have shorts on and joggers. So therefore, you're more inclined to kick a ball around and roll over in the dirt and get all dirty, it doesn't matter. For a little girl, for some reason, 
we still have the mentality where we have to dress our little girls up and treat them different to little boys. So for me, we need to change that. Women are already, young girls are already behind with sport because they're not allowed to play in the dirt when they're little. They're not allowed to kick a ball because we dress them differently to boys and we don't have the rough and tumble that we normally do with little boys. And that's still happening today. So we need to try and break down those barriers and we need to grow and nurture women in, in sport. So this festival is going to encourage that. It's going to be a combination of talks, symposiums, and hands-on activities for girls and women of all ages. And we've got some fantastic women coming to Lake Macquarie to talk about it. You know, Rihanna Ifland, you know, fantastic world champion cliff diver. Now, she's a world champion, and I don't see her on the news all the time, and she should be. She's a fabulous young woman doing amazing things around the world. So she's going to be here in Lake Macquarie. She's our head act. And then you've got the Olympic gold medalist, Kerry Potthart, you know, Australian netball representative, Sam Pullman. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I'm bringing a table along to the brekkie where Sam Paul and Kerry Potthart will be speaking, and we're really, really looking forward to it. So it's about empowering women. It's about celebrating women. It's about advocating. It's about power. You know, it's not only about sport, but sport gives you so many skills, so many qualities in life to deal with. If, if you lose at a sporting event, it, it puts you in good stead to take those knockbacks throughout life. And that competition and that team that you may have, that teamwork, it's all really important to building and strong, successful women, and we need that. So we don't have as many women in sports as men in sports. So we need that to build that resilience, to build that toughness. So, you know, like you're, you're, you're from Got Your Back Sister. That's what it's about, getting a team together, get everyone's back, make sure we all look after one another, get that sisterhood happening and get the boys involved to look after us as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to the festival march. 11 to March 13. It's going to be wonderful. Looking forward to the brekkie and bringing along some young girls to the clinics. It sounds like it's going to be amazing. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. So one of the issues around International Women's Day or that International Women's Day tries to shine a light on is women in business and you know there's talk a lot of talk always about gender parity so I think every year we talk more and more about that and what what do they say it's like a hundred years or something they reckon until there's going to be gender parity and it's funny I actually googled that this morning because I kind of wanted to be sure that that is really still a thing and they're they're like yeah they're like we're at least 20,000 plus behind men for the same sort of roles which actually I was chatting to Mel Sarge earlier and she was saying that she found out a couple of years ago when she was a radio announcer that she was earning half of what the male the male announcer was you know and you hear about what Lisa and Carl Carl the drama the drama <laughs> around that okay yeah. I, just, I actually don't understand it I don't understand why that would even happen because it's run by male executives <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And the media, from what I – I'm not in that industry, but mm. have had to delve into that industry in my role because you do so much media and you talk to a lot of people and that has been a battleground for many, many years for women. And you can see some small changes, but just the fact that even just in the last few years you've had that Lisa and Carl pay issue, uh, I think that was surprising to a lot of people when that was finally revealed, that – Yeah. That that's – Almost one of the main reasons why she ended up leaving. Well, because I watched it for her. 
Not for him, yeah. definitely. <laughs> but I think there's also, and this is both women women and men that hold the kind of the internal biases. Mm. You know, we do expect a lot more from women. So we do have this, you know, that, that we equalize or we think, you know, confidence is the same as competence with men. And and that is definitely, and the, that whole confidence thing is much more common in men. So, you know, I think, because I was working with a, an HR manager and, and, in, in terms of giving, you know, d- sorting out their bonuses, this is when she realized, oh, my God, I see the same thing. You know, we get female leaders who are putting men forward doing the same job as we- women but thinking they deserve a bigger bonus. So actually it's systemic because we just see them differently. Um, so I think there's a lot that talk about breaking the biases. You know, we, we need to come much more into facts. Um, and even you know remove the face from the from what we're actually talking about in order to really pierce this these very thickly <laughs> layered biases that we all hold. Yeah. So one of the issues I suppose that we hear around women in business is the whole women in leadership roles and talking about do we have quotas for boards, all of that you know ratios of men to women. So I went I was telling the girls earlier I went to a networking luncheon in Sydney on Friday. And it was for CEOs, managing directors, VPs of global organizations who are based out of Sydney or out of Australia. And so I went there. There was about 80 people at this networking luncheon. I was invited to go by one of the corporates as a a charity partner. There were about 80 guests there, 70 were men and around 10 were women. And I was looking around the room and I'm like, I thought there was supposed to be quotas. Like, I kind of thought that there had been a much bigger change than I think there actually is. And it really shocked me. Maybe it shouldn't, but it really did. And yeah. that's actually a good ratio. Because the actual <laughs> yeah. ratio is 300, you know, it's only 18 out of the 300 top executives in Australia that are female. Yeah. So it's 6.2%. Yeah. So it seems like we still have a, a long way to go in terms of women rising in leadership. Absolutely. What do you think, fabulous female leader of our city? (laughs) Yeah, it's been – I've talked to you about how tough some of those battles have been, particularly in the early days. If you couple age at the same time with being a woman in a role that was traditionally for a much older person and normally a man – it was really, really difficult. And it was the first time I'd really rubbed up against really strong unconscious bias. Uh, Overt bias, because it's politics, uh, but um, the unconscious bias was a shock to me. Yeah. Because it was, I'm a different generation to the unconscious bias I was receiving from older white men. And it was quite confronting. And I dealt with it um, in different ways, sometimes just straight head on. And uh, which was quite explosive and then sort of, you know, taking a step back and looking at, you know, how I'm going to work around it. And I just had to work around it in with all different sorts of methods, but it was exceptionally and has been exceptionally difficult. Yeah. Charlotta, you work with organisations around the world. What are you seeing? I'm seeing some good changes <laughs> overall. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have to say, probably the ones that I work with are not necessarily a representation of all of them, right? Because they are, in general, more conscious when they want to do mindful leadership. But, you know, we just started the, a new uh, cohort of the executive MBA at Newcastle University, a beautiful group of people. When I see these men and women, I go, oh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's great hope. 
but I do think we have a long way to go, and I think we still have to have really rigorous discussions because I think there's a lot of um, misunderstandings in general. So, if we, for instance, take the idea of quota, you know, many the argument for quota is to say, oh no, we, you know, because we have to have the best person for the job. In other words, we believe in meritocracy. That you know, which is the delusion of you know extreme liberalism. That you know, if you do a good job, you irrespective of where you come from, what gender you are, what color you are, etc., you can rise. And that's simply not true, right? Even in Scandinavia, there are more men named Eric that there are female CEOs. And Australia, it's Andrew is the name, right? So meritocracy is a delusion. It doesn't work because you can't seriously say there are more men named Andrew who are brilliant than than half the population of the country, right? Yeah. So, so that means we need to pierce these silly thinkings and go, this is simply, let's come into the facts and let's make space. But I think it goes deeper in a way because, you know, you, you know, I just got a bit curious before we had this conversation. I thought, I wonder what the link is between also private schools and, you know, people in politics and people in, you know, and there we have a really serious skewing too. There's only one of the 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 top 10 CEOs in Australia who's actually gone to a, a public school. So that means we've still got the networking of the boys. We've still got that as, as something we have to, to pierce. And, and there I think we need facts because that implicit bias is so thick. And, you know, the, I think one of the definitions around implicit bias is that you don't know it because, you've got, because you have it and you've always assumed it. But really, for all of those who don't have it, it's the absence of privilege. It's the absence of connection. It's the absence of a loading on you where as a woman you think, I can't be too emotional. Oh, no, I've got my period. I don't want to seem you know, too flippant about this or too caring about it. You've got another layer going all the time because the standard is the white male. And that's, a, that, that's why we have such incredible confidence problems, right? Because to carry yourself and constantly second-guess yourself, I can't be too strong, I can't be too soft, you're, you're dancing this. Whereas in general, the white male doesn't have that to the same extent at all and that's the same if you then have a disability or you have a you know you're not white you'll have the same thing going because the standard is the white male so so I think that you know we need many more good discussions about this and information about this yeah yeah I absolutely agree that standard that is set and is layered down in you know decades hundreds of years of you know, cultural training and whether it's conscious or unconscious, every time you have someone different, whether it be a woman or uh, someone from a different ethnic background or, or whatever it might be, an Aboriginal, whatever minority group that doesn't traditionally hold a certain role, whenever you layer that on top, you see them, if they finally can break through, whether it be a woman or what it might, whoever it might be, they tend to, and I 100% think this would happen to you, Lisa, is you probably work 10 times harder, 10 times harder yep. to do your role in terms of that rugby administration mm. than potentially not every other man that does that same job or did the job before you or around the city. And I see it all the time. Like I know the hours that, that I've had to put in and, you know, anecdotally from people that have worked with other people in my role – absolutely did not work those hours mm. yeah yeah absolutely it's, just, it's phenomenal and i see it at council we've done had a huge change in our senior leadership team where 60 percent are women they are amazing uh, group and this is well over 20 people and before my time it was all men but i can see it now the the men are definitive about this is the time i will work 
and then I will be with my family and the women just work and work and work and work. And then they go home and run their kids to sport mm-hmm. and yeah, cook and yeah, yeah. How do you go with that balance? Oh, I'm a terrible example just because <laughs> just because I've tried, you know, you have to, you know, to do the job that you promised everybody in the city, which is you know, a couple hundred thousand people, <laughs> different things fall off in terms of priority. So I've never really... I came from a progressive household where uh, a your lot mom, of... Your mum dressed you as a suffragette? Yes, my mum dressed me up as su- right. a suffragette. And the division of labour in terms of household chores was not traditionally seen as a as a woman's role. So my mother was not into housekeeping. Ironing. Yes, ironing, housekeeping. And my, uh, my father did all the cooking and there was a pretty even division of labour around care as well for children. So for me, I didn't ever feel like I needed to do that role. But I'll tell you now, I still do most of the washing in the house. You know what I mean? I don't do all the the cooking because that's almost impossible. But if if anyone's organising someone to help with domestic chores, that's also me. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like there's still a division of labour at home that more often than not will still fall upon the female. So I think that the more we talk about it and the more I can see um, even the generation younger than me coming through, I can see that changing in terms of people being, and, and men in particular, taking paternity leave and saying, no, I want to be you know, home or working only these hours to make sure I'm involved in, in raising my children. It's much more acceptable now, I think, mm-hmm. for men. Whereas, you know, probably once upon a time it wasn't acceptable. They'd be like, oh, no, why, why would we do that? Mm. But now it's like, no, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, well, they need and to, cool they need to have change. friends. Yeah. yeah, they need to have a network of other fathers and friends or even mm. mothers that are supportive of that. And, you know, it takes a bit of a village when you're in those years of um, raising young children. But that the division of labour is also in our work hours. COVID has probably been exceptionally difficult particularly for uh, women working from home with young children yep. you know the, the burden and the stress of, of that and the endless guilt i mean how, don't you oh. don't you think you know in general you'd be more plagued by that yes uh, mother's y- guilt yeah mm. right and then if you do your mother thing you know really well then you feel so guilty at work so it's a it's a no, lose lose right 100% always a tension in that yeah yeah there's always a tension where mm. you can see men more in general are fine like well no i'm, I'm well, I can't deal with that because I'm at work. Mm. Oh, but don't worry. I'll be like, you know, filling out school forms or chairing a meeting at the same time and, yeah. you know, just trying to yeah, be balance everything. it all. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. Yeah. Like I love to tell the story about when you came to a, like got your back sister media thing for one of our campaigns and you showed up with two of your kids and one of the, their friends because it was in school holidays and one of the one of your daughters was cranky about something and you're like trying to do the thing and look after the kids and I was like going, I bet no other male lord bear had to deal with this. Oh, <laughs> and also it's they like political opponents and the hostility and the unconscious bias I got from the organisation after being elected because you know they were like all older white men who didn't want me they made sure it was exceptionally difficult like mm. to access childcare, which we were all allowed to. They actually used that as a political flaw, like ran campaigns like she's too wasteful because she needs to use childcare and and she had to drop her children at school on the way to work and just because no other <laughs> Lord Mayor had had young children before, it was seen as like an Achilles heel for me and something that they attacked 
like just the mere fact that I was a woman with children and had to juggle it all or took my children to work with me, it was seen as something that was uh, open for attack and they took it and then attacked me in the media. It wasn't just Newcastle. Some of those stories were syndicated throughout New South Wales. Crazy. Hmm. There's a long way to go, as we say. Yeah, absolutely. But do you know what I love? It actually gives me hope that we have, you know, in our region, we have mm. a Lord mm. Mayor, a female Lord Mayor in Newcastle, a female Mayor in Lake Macquarie. Mm. We have MPs who are up the belly with Meryl Swanson, Jenny Aitchison, Sharon Clayton. I'm like, we actually, that's why I go, I, mm. I, it's funny, I go, I feel like we are surrounded by really wonderful, strong female leaders. And that's why I'm going to say, it shocks the shit out of me when I go to a thing in a networking <laughs> thing in Sydney. I'm like, oh, where the women? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I find that really strange. I was telling the girls, I'm like, I don't know, I got this feels weird. We live in a great city. So that means that's representative of people not caring about gender mm. when they're, you know, individually making choices about who they want to represent them, which is wonderful because none of us could do that unless we had that community support. So I think that's really reflective of the place we live in. Also turning up in droves, paying for tickets for uh, women in sport. Yep. It's, it, is a, it is a wonderful place, Newcastle. If you mm. want to affect change, particularly social change, it's often come out of Newcastle. We've been leaders in it in terms of Aboriginal rights, women's rights. I saw a celebration of Dr. Evert, who was one of the first women, female chancellor at the University of Newcastle, and the first woman to sit uh, on the UN Human Rights Commission. So there's some been amazing history of female leaders, and obviously um, Joy Cummings before me. Mm, love Joy Cummings. Yeah, mm. poor woman. <laughs> I mean, she was she had a hard time in the. I in bet. The, oh, hard. Because it's funny yeah. you go like you've been Lord Mayor what 30, 30 years later after her. Yes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And I go, and you still got in the crap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think whoever follows me, it'll be mm, different. A lighter. Yeah, but maybe a little lighter in that area. That might be somewhere heavier in other areas. But I think the the gender issue, which I didn't expect to be as big an issue as it was, not in the public. It was more behind the scenes with people I worked with. I think that won't be an issue anymore. But there's likely to be many other challenges. That's what Julie Gillard says, isn't it? She was the first female Prime Minister mm. and it was really tough for her being the first female, mm. but hopefully women... Female Prime Ministers after her, it, it will Have be a bit... Run. Yeah. Yeah, that the first one is the one who has to prove it, a woman can prove do it, it. like yes. Helen Clark in yes. uh, New Zealand. Yeah. And then that opens up for who, how do you, would, you, would you want to show up for the next one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it will be easier and it might be a man or it might be a woman, who knows, but whoever it is, I think it'll be a different time and they won't have to justify their existence as a, as a female or a mother. Mm, it'll as be a human. As a human, yes. Mm. Absolutely. And I mean, we're also seeing this shift in leadership in, uh, globally, aren't we? I mean, there are many more women than ever before leading countries in like Rwanda and Hungary and Honduras and countries you go, oh, Sweden, you know, but it's exciting. It's really yeah. exciting. Well, you've got me excited now because before when we started, I was, I, you know, I was sharing my frustrations in terms of leadership in our country and especially in terms of, um, you know, Grace, that Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins have highlighted through their speaking. And we're ending this with a beautiful, on a beautiful, happy, hopeful note. I love it.
And I'm going to say to all the women watching, go and watch the women's sports. <laughs> go and watch yes. the women's sports, especially like in the rugby and soccer, when they get put at the end of the day when the bar's closed, take your own wine if you yep. want to. I'll keep the bar open <laughs> in the Hawks games. <laughs> go and watch the women. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit like when you're looking at climate change and as a community, as a society, we're getting frustrated that nothing's happening. And I think it's very similar with the gender thing, that actually our institutions, our political institutions are the ones that are slow to act, whereas as a society, we're there. We're ready. So let's hope. Mm. Happy International Women's Day. Yes. Happy International Happy. Women's Day. Thanks so much for listening to Hey Soul Sister today on our special International Women's Day episode, which is coming up next week on March the 8th. Today's episode was brought to you by Lake Mac Women's Sport Festival, which is happening Friday, March 11th to Sunday, March 13th. I will see you at their networking breakfast on Friday, March 11th. It's going to be amazing. And we're all going to celebrate women in sport. To book, just head on over to lakemac.com.au you forward slash women's sport festival or just google women's sport festival i'll see you there thanks for listening to hey soul sister with mel histon what would help you on your crazy life journey email melissa at the sisterco.com